Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come apart and to rest in you on this Sabbath day. And Father, uh, we need your help. I need your help. And we recognize our need of the Spirit today to guide our thoughts as these words from Scripture are reflected upon as we look at the labor in the sanctuary. Bless us, we pray, with your presence. For we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. A team of Michigan State University researchers trained a dozen students to inconspicuously observe and collect data on hand-washing behavior in restrooms, bars, restaurants, and other public places in a college town. In all, 3,749 people were observed, and this is what they found. After using the bathroom, 95% of people failed to wash their hands long enough to kill harmful bacteria, a new study finds. Among men, this is kind of disheartening, (laughs) only half used soap and 15% didn't wash their hands at all, compared with 78% of women who did use soap and 7% of women who didn't wash their hands. Charles Gerba, professor of microbiology at the University of Arizona, swabbed close to 5,000 surfaces in several office buildings with at least 3,000 employees, and one of the places that ranked the highest for bacteria was the drinking fountain button. You know why that is? What do people do after using the bathroom? they get a drink of water. And so this researcher counseled to use your shirt sleeve instead when you press the drinking fountain button. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, recommends that you wash your hands vigorously using soap and water for 15 to 20 seconds or the time it takes to sing or hum happy birthday twice. The CDC says hand washing is one of the most effective ways to cut the spread of infectious diseases. Dirty hands are estimated to contribute to 50% of all foodborne illness outbreaks. Now, today's sermon is not about personal hygiene, but there is a spiritual correlation between washing physically and washing spiritually, and this is evidenced in the laver, which is the focus of our study today. This is the second article of furniture you come to in the sanctuary, and this was a basin that was located in the sanctuary, and it was for the purpose of washing. The priest would daily and likely multiple times a day, wash their hands and their feet before they would enter the holy place of the sanctuary. This is a scale model or a bird's eye view of the sanctuary. You can see that the second article of furniture that you come to after the burnt altar or the burnt offering is the uh, laver. And as we noted in our earlier presentations, the most holy place represents the presence of God. And this was the place where Adam and Eve were prior to the fall. They were able to have a face-to-face communion with God. And because of sin, we were not able to have that communion with God. And we're placed outside of the gate. 
And then the plan of salvation, as illustrated in the sanctuary, is God's plan of restoration. It is to bring us back. So God is all about movement. He wants to bring us into the courtyard, into the holy place, and into the most holy place, back to the relationship that he had with Adam and Eve before the fall. So you come into the sanctuary, and as we illustrated last Sabbath, we experienced the love of God at the altar of burnt offering. We accept Jesus as our Savior, and we're saved. Praise the Lord. It's the first step. After that, Jesus brings us to the laver. Now, the laver, when you use that word in some languages, uh, like Spanish, I believe, you can correct me afterwards if I'm wrong, it literally means to wash. And in the Hebrew, this word laver is to wash. And so this was a place of cleansing that was there. Now, this is an interesting observation from John chapter 19, verse 34. And this is in your study guide, which is an insert in your bulletin if you want to follow along and take some notes. This is John 19, 34, when Jesus was pierced by the soldiers on the cross with a spear. The Bible says there was bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Blood and water flowed from the side of Jesus, and there's blood and water in the sanctuary, and these are cleansing agents. We are saved and cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and we are washed by the Spirit and cleansed as well. And Jesus provides both of these entities, blood and water, flowed from the side of Jesus, and the gospel is about forgiveness and cleansing. This is from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus gives us the complete package, forgiveness and cleansing. And we used this illustration before. If you find a baby that's naked and dirty in Anchorage, what is the first thing you're going to do? You're going to cover the baby, and then, by the grace of God, you're going to bring that baby home and give the baby a bath. You're going to cover, and then you're going to cleanse. And it's in that order. Jesus covers us, he forgives us, and then he cleanses us. And we'll see, according to the sanctuary, it's in this specific order that he does these things. I will cleanse them, Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 8, I will cleanse them from all the sin they have committed against me and forgive all their rebellion against me. So we're forgiven at the altar we are cleansed at the laver. We come to Jesus, he forgives us, he covers us with his robe, and then he proceeds to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this is spiritually speaking, but they had these physical things in the sanctuary to illustrate what Jesus wants to do to us spiritually. What was the laver made from? This is from Exodus chapter 38, verse 8. They made the bronze basin and its bronze stand from the mirrors of the women who served at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. So they had mass donation, and uh, the women were so touched and moved by the love of God that they said, you know what, I'm going to donate my mirror. And so they gathered all these mirrors, and they made this bronze basin from the collection and these donations, uh, these offerings that these women gave to the tabernacle. And it was made from these bronze mirrors. Now, a mirror is many times in the bathroom. 
And there's also water in the bathroom as well. And the mirror provides a moment of self-awareness. Praise God for mirrors. I remember one time I went through an entire day and I looked in the mirror. You know, you just want to do a check to, just to make sure everything's okay. I looked in the mirror and there was a big old olive chunk stuck to my tooth right here. And I looked like a pirate. And I went through my entire day looking like that, smiling, and no one had the heart to tell me. I wish someone would just tell me. No one had the heart to tell me. And it was in that moment that I said, oh, I need to make a correction. Now, the mirror does not correct us. The mirror is not like a bar of soap. It shows us our need. And the Bible tells us the law of God is like a mirror. The mirror doesn't cleanse us, but it reveals to us our needs. So it's interesting that here at the the washing station is also a mirror signifying, I believe, a moment of self-reflection because if you don't know that you are dirty, you don't realize the need to be cleansed. What was the laver used for? And uh, here's the biblical support for this notion of washing at the laver. This is from Exodus chapter 30, verse 18. Make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. So the laver was for a washing station. Place it between the tent of the meeting and the altar and put water in it. The Bible tells us that every time the priest would enter into the second compartment of the sanctuary, the holy place, he would wash his hands and his feet. Scholars believe that there was a ladle there, that they would ladle the water out for this washing process. They would also wash their hands and their feet before they would participate in the sacrificial services as well. And this was a daily, regular occurrence. It was not washed once and then cleansed. It was not like the uh, inauguration of the sanctuary that where they only did that once, but this was a regular daily occurrence of washing symbolized by the laver. In the Bible, it uses this metaphor of washing to symbolize spiritual cleansing, and this is from Psalm 51. This was after David had committed his great sin of killing Uriah, and then taking his wife, and Nathan the prophet went in before him, and he had this profound moment of self-awareness, and he penned this psalm, and notice what he says in Psalm 51, verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. He asked God to cleanse him, to wash him of his sin, and this only came after a moment in which he realized his need, his, his need for cleansing. This is from Isaiah, Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Now, the beauty of this verse in particular is that God is the one that cleanses us. We can't cleanse ourselves But the issue is that we don't realize our need. We don't realize that we are spiritually in need of cleansing. And so God brings us to these moments in our experience that we realize our impurity. Have you ever sinned before and then felt spiritually unclean afterwards? You need to praise the Lord for that because that's your conscience speaking. I'm not saying that you need to go into depression. You need to go to Jesus. But 
we can get to the place where we sin and we think that we are squeaky clean. And that's the issue, is that we can get to the place in our experience that we don't realize our, our need. We become so accustomed to sin. Now, there were times when I would do visitations. Uh, I went to school in Arkansas, and uh, it's a lot of moonshiners down there. <laughs> I was out in the middle of nowhere in Amity, Arkansas, armadillos and just red clay. And we would do these sunshine bands in the community as academy students. And we would go to these homes that were dilapidated. And there was one particular home that we would go in and you'd open it up. Um, and I went to this regular home on a regular occasion. And I would always take a deep breath before I went inside. Because <gasps> I knew that inside was going to be all types of interesting odors, just to put it politely. But the issue was that man had become so accustomed to it that he had become climatized to the smell. It didn't bother him anymore. Spiritually speaking, the same thing happens to us. We become climatized, accustomed to our sin, to the place we, we are living in our filth spiritually that we don't realize that we need cleansing. So the Lord has to bring us to a place where we say, oh, I need cleansing. So Jesus says, look, let me help you. And so this is the process. He said, I can cleanse you. Now, there are a couple things that we do as a Christian. One of them is baptism that involves water. And this, according to Acts chapter 22, verse 16, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. So the, the, the ceremony that we go through, a baptism, one of the symbols is the washing away of sin. That's what baptism symbolizes. When you go down into the water, it symbolizes the washing away of sin. And this is a beautiful model of, in the sanctuary of the steps that we go through in this process. You come to the altar burnt offering, you accept Jesus as your Savior, you're saved, and then you proceed to the laver, and then you're baptized. And it's in that order. You accept Jesus, and as a public expression of that experience that's taken place in your heart, you come to the laver, and you're baptized. Now, one of the questions that people have about baptism is, do I have to be baptized in order to be saved? When you look at the thief on the cross, is the thief on the cross going to be in the kingdom? Absolutely. Remember, Jesus turned to him and said, today I assure you, uh, you will be with me in the kingdom, indicating that he was giving that assurance today. The thief on the cross will be in the kingdom. He didn't have the opportunity to be baptized. However, I believe that if he didn't die on the cross and had the opportunity to be baptized, would he have been baptized? Absolutely. As he had that opportunity, he would have been baptized. So when Jesus said in John chapter 3, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God, Jesus was indicating that for every born-again Christian that has experienced the Spirit in being born again, will, as a result, seek to be baptized if and when given the opportunity. That is the natural expression of what's take place. So you experience Jesus you accept him as your savior, then you're led to the laver, and that is represented by baptism. Now, there's another occasion in which um, the 
Uh, before we go to that, Titus chapter 3, verse 5, he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So when we fill up the tank, I have news for you. Uh, when we have baptisms, that's not holy water. That's good anchorage. I believe it's well water. Uh, there's nothing holy about it. It's a symbol but it symbolizes the real washing that takes place, and that's through the Spirit. The Spirit washes us, and we go through the baptism to symbolize what the Spirit has done in our lives, the rebirth. There's another occasion in which the, we use water, and that is the foot washing service that we have. Every communion, we have a foot washing ceremony, and people have asked, uh, you know, why do we do that? It's so inconvenient, it's kind of awkward. I mean, wash each other's feet. Oh, that's, that's a little bit interesting. And then uh, what is the biblical support for that? It's in John chapter 13. I want to encourage you to read that and read the entire chapter um, because there is the biblical support for the foot washing service. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. Scholars believe that Jesus here, when he says bathe, is referring to baptism, indicating that when we're baptized, afterwards, as we walk the Christian walk, our feet get dirty. Uh, they get, we make mistakes. So on a, on a regular occasion, we have this foot washing service, and it's kind of like a mini baptism. Otherwise, can you imagine, we'd be lined up here every Sabbath to be baptized uh, because we make mistakes all the time. But, but the foot washing service takes care of those incidental mistakes. It's kind of like a mini baptism. So we all need that mini baptism, and the foot washing service signifies that. Now, there are times when we do have rebaptism, and the biblical support for rebaptism is the, the revelation of new light. You're walking with the Lord, and you have new light that's revealed to you, and you're rebaptized. Or if there is a significant falling away that you, you want to commit your way to, to God. Uh, so that is the, the basis for for rebaptism. So these two cases in which water is used in the cleansing process to symbolize spiritual cleansing is baptism and the foot washing. Um, I'm going to skip here to uh, this slide. What did Solomon call the laver when he built the temple? Solomon built the temple that was to replace the tabernacle that was built by Moses. And this was on a scale that was proportionally beyond what Moses had built. You can read about it in Chronicles. But the, the laver was so large that he called it the sea. Uh, this is from 2 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 2. He made the sea of cast metal circular in shape, measuring 10 cubits from rim to rim and 5 cubits high. It took a line of 30 cubits to measure around it. Uh, I did a little research on the cubit. Now, there's some discrepancies and some uh, different ideas about how big the cubit was, whether it was the royal cubit or the ancient cubit. But just to give you a little bit of scale, Noah's Ark was 30 cubits high. 
Now, this was supposed to house all the animals. Okay, so Noah's Ark was 30 cubits high. Now, look at this. This was 30 cubits around. So this was a massive laver that held an incredible amount of water. And they actually talk about how much water was in this laver. It was like the sea. So it would have been amazing to, to see Solomon's temple. It was, it was beautiful. It was glorious. And, and the laver there was just, it was gargantuan, huge, for the lack of a better word. It was 30 cubits around. In the book of Revelation, it's interesting because in Revelation chapter 4, verse 6, also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. In an earlier study, we talked about how in the book of Revelation, you can see the different articles of furniture that John saw in heaven. He saw the Ark of the Testament in heaven, Revelation chapter 11, verse 19, he saw the, the lampstand in heaven, he saw the altar of incense in heaven, and here we have a sea of glass that is before the throne. And it's interesting because in Revelation chapter 15, verse 2, the sea of glass is mentioned again, and it says, and I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, and they were standing on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. Notice that the Bible indicates that they were on the sea of glass. They were not in the sea of glass. They were on the sea of glass. And Dr. Leslie Harding, in reflecting on this, he says, the final vision of the laver leaves us with the assurance that Christ's transformed disciples will need no further purifications hereafter. They will stand before the, sea, uh, the throne of the eternal judge without fault, their robes of character washed and made white by Calvary's twin streams. They are on the sea. They are not in the sea. They don't need cleansing anymore. As we do some practical applications of this, I want to reflect on Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. The Bible tells us that Jesus came down from the mountain after having preached the greatest sermon, I believe, in history, the Sermon on the Mount. And the people were so moved and touched by his sermon that they began to follow him down the mountain. It was an inspiring moment. And the Bible tells us in verse 2 that a leper came to Jesus and he said, and I quote, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This leper wants cleansing. This leper is an outcast of society, and if you know a little bit about leprosy, it is a terrible disease in which your nerve endings cease to work, so after a while, you uh, start to lose your fingers and your toes because you're walking through fire, you're touching hard or hot things, and so this leper is, is coming to Jesus, and he's asking for cleansing. The leper was not to be touched. He was disassociated from society. And you can imagine this crowd just split. And, and it, after a while, it was just Jesus and this leper. And in verse 3, you can see Jesus' approach. This man wants cleansing. He says, look, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And the way that Jesus relates to this leper is the way that Jesus relates to us. Jesus did not say, you're clean, and then I'll give you a hug. Jesus 
in verse 3, put out his hand and touched him. Look at the order that Jesus interacts with this leper. The leper is not clean, but Jesus reaches out his hand and touches him. You can probably hear a hush come over the people that are just around Jesus. You're not supposed to do that. He touches that man. That man probably hadn't been touched by a clean person in years. He touches that man. What do you think that felt like to that man emotionally? That was a, that was a touch of, I accept you. I accept you. I, I'm not going to disassociate with you because of your condition. Jesus reached out and touched him. Now, remember, the man wanted cleansing. But in reality, he wanted acceptance. He reaches out and touches that man. That touch meant everything to that leper. And look at the order. He touches the man, and then he says, I am willing. If you ever doubt whether Jesus is willing to cleanse you, that's a lie. I am willing. And he says, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Look at the order. Jesus accepts the leper and then cleanses him. Jesus loves you regardless of your condition. Amen? I mean, do you, do you really believe that? Jesus loves you regardless of your behavior. Jesus loves you regardless of your past. Here is that acceptance, that love. And then he says, be clean. I read this, this account of this man they found in southern Iran. And he has become quite notable because, according to him, he has not bathed in 60 years. Can you imagine? 60 years of not bathing. And they went to interview him and they asked him, like, why, you know, what, what's going on here? And it became a fascinating story. It was actually a group of individuals that decided to reach out to him and offered him facilities for a shower, and he ran away. He believes that bathing and cleansing will actually make him sick. He lives by himself. How would you interact with this man physically? There are very few people, I would say no one, that would embrace this man physically prior to a bath. The order is you bathe and then you get your hug. But Jesus relates to us differently. Praise the Lord. He embraces us and then he says, you're clean. Praise his name. I love this quotation from Steps of Christ, and you can see it here in the order. Jesus embraces us, the altar burnt offering, and then he cleanses us. Praise the Lord that the labor is not outside of the sanctuary. You know, wash yourself, and then you can come inside. It's no, you come inside, and I'll take care of this process. Amen? Praise the Lord. Never feel too spiritually defiled to come to Jesus. Steps of Christ, page 52. Jesus loves to have us come to him just as we are. Praise his name. Sinful, helpless, dependent, 
We may come with all our weakness, our folly, our sinfulness, and fall at his feet in penitence. It is his glory to encircle us in the arms of his love and to bind up our wounds to cleanse us from all impurity. Praise his name. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you that it is your glory to encircle us in the arms of your love. We praise you for the gospel, that we can come to you just as we are. There's no other way that we can come. And you wrap your arms around us. You cover us. And we praise you that your love for us is not predicated on our behavior. Your love for us is not predicated on our past or our performance. Your love for us is based on the intrinsic value that you place on every soul. Father, help us to believe this, not only intellectually but emotionally. Help us to come to Christ like that leper, to ask for that cleansing, and we praise you that you touch us, you embrace us. We thank you for that gift. So I want to make a simple appeal here today. If you need spiritual cleansing, and you want to say, Lord, make me clean. Cleanse me spiritually. Make me clean. That's your prayer. I just want to invite you to raise your hand. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Only God sees your hands. And this is taken note of in his heart. I believe that as soon as your hand is raised, divine grace, divine power is there, just like with that leper. And, and we are cleansed. Father, you see these hands. Help us to believe by faith, not because of the way we feel, but because of what's in your word, that we are clean in Jesus. Bless us, we pray. Help us not to believe the doubts and the lies, the feelings of guilt that come after this acceptance of you. Help us to believe by faith in the assurance that's in Jesus. For we ask these in his name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.